everybody, and welcome to another episode of the View Level Podcast. Today is March 20th, 2019, one day away from the start of the NCAA Tournament. This episode will be primarily just a preview of the NCAA Tournament to get you guys to figure out how to fill out your bracket. Again, this is my opinion. I will say this season in college basketball has been one of the seasons that I've watched the most. It's been one I've been been very engaged with, been seeing a lot of teams played. So I feel I can have somewhat of a decent opinion to help you guys out right now. So we'll get to that. That'll be the majority of this episode. But first, we have to cover the big story that happened yesterday. The biggest story in sports, the biggest contract in sports, and that's my man. Mike Trout signing a 12-year, $430 million extension to stay with the Angels. Not going to call them Los Angeles Angels. Refuse to call them. That's why I don't like you, Artie. Not Los Angeles. They play in Anaheim. But Mike Trout, going to be an angel for life. And I'm telling you, I could not be happier. Be the first to admit that I was definitely already accepting that Mike Trout was going to go to the Phillies. But woke up today to a bunch of text saying, Mike Trout, Mike Trout, Mike Trout. And you you know what? I'm so happy that Mike Trout is an angel for life. In total, Mike Trout fashion too, where there's not a lot of hubbub. There's no days leading up that the angels are discussing this. There's something in the works, but we got that in the beginning of spring training, but boom, like that is a snap of finger. Mike Trout signs his 12 years. They scrapped the two years left on his contract to give him a whole new 12-year contract, which kind of makes... It clarifies the way that Billy Epler was a little bit apprehensive with trying to spend a little bit big money. Um, that's why he kind of set up for Trevor Cahill, Matt Harvey, Jonathan LaCroix, Justin Bauer, instead of going out for people like a Dallas Keuchel, who he could still could still sign technically, or even bigger names out there on the market. But Mike Trout is with the Angels. Um, best part about this is Bryce Harper signing with the Phillies, $330 million. Um, thinking he's going to have the biggest contract. He's going to recruit Mike Trout to Philly. Scott Boris is a genius. Um, and that lasted all of like two weeks maybe. And Bryce Harper got outpaid by over $100 million. So Scott Boris not doing the best deal that Bryce Harper could do. And now Bryce Harper can't recruit Mike Trout. And that was one of the biggest things that he was saying that he was going to do. It's laughable. Now Philly fans are questioning what's going to happen. They still have a solid team. They still did make a lot of good moves, but Mike Trout going to the, the Phillies is not it's not going to happen. And I've got to say, it's kind of funny to see Philly fans writhe in pain now seeing they're not going to get Mike Trout because Bryce Harper is nowhere near on the level of Mike Trout. I'm a firm believer that Bryce Harper is a very, very good player, but he might be a little bit overrated. That's just me. That's just me. Um, on the flip side, there's a lot of people... Um, pretty much any East Coast person, East Coast fan of the Yankees, uh, the Red Sox, the Phillies, saying, good luck, Mike Trout, winning, not winning any World Series, not making the playoffs, blah, 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 blah. And hey, there's no denying that the Angels have not been good the last couple of years. It's a very big fact. Um, but there's a lot of factors that go into this. And this, this extension sets up the Angels to have as bright of a future as any team in Major League Baseball. And let me tell you why. They have Andrelton Simmons, who they're going to re-sign soon as well. 
in the next couple of years who is easily top five, top six, top seven shortstop in the game in terms of war. His defense is unbelievable, probably one of the best defensive uh, shortstops in the game, won a gold glove last year. His offense has only been getting better since he got came over from the Atlanta Braves. His uh, He's been hitting around 300. His power numbers are going up. That's something you can build around. Then you got Shohei Hotani, who, yeah, he's not pitching this season, but still hitting proves that he can hit, the, hit pitching, major league pitching. Um, there's still a question whether he can hit uh, left-handed pitching, but that's going to be this season to see. That's something to build along when he comes back. Then you got Justin Upton, who, yes, he's getting up in age, but he's still a decent left fielder. He can still have some power. He's coming back from injury, but he's still some power. Um, and then you look at the farm system. The Angels were notorious for having a shit farm system in the past few years, but now they're slowly, slowly coming up. Keith Law named him the seventh best farm system in Major League Baseball. They got Joe Adele, who's one of the top ten prospects in the game. They got Griffin Canning and Jose Suarez, who are quality pitchers. They got Jordan Adams, who is a great draft pick that they just had. So there's a lot to build around, and it shows Billy Epler, smart Billy Epler, is one of the smartest GMs, I think, in Major League Baseball, realizing that when they're going to trade or when they're going to sign Trout with an extension, they have to be good from 2021 to 2030. And that means not wasting prospects on getting rental players, which they haven't done, which you haven't seen them very active in the trade deadline, or when they are, they're trading pieces, getting players back. Um, And that's why you see them build through the draft. You see Joe Adele, you see Griffin Canyon, you see Jordan Adams, you've seen all these players that they've signed, and then also getting trade getting good trades and signing good free agents as well. So it's smart because they know he has, they have a specific time range for them to help Mike Trout. And it just goes to show that Mike Trout is a, was a firm believer in the Angels process and what they were doing. The Angels have been one of the most unlucky teams in injuries throughout the entire MLB in the last few years. I mean, they've had five or six players take Tommy John surgery in the last two years alone. Their pitching staff is still a major question mark. They did a little bit better with addressing the bullpen. I mean, Cody Allen's going to be a hit or miss, building that bullpen a little bit. The pitching staff, yes, it's a very big concern, and it's something they need to address, but now they have an idea. They know how much money they're paying their best player. They know how long their best player is going to stay. Now they can have some flexibility with Albert Pujols being done in a couple years, no longer worrying about Josh Hamilton. So I think for all those reasons, this is a very intriguing start to the next phase of the Angels franchise. And I think when you have the best player in the entire world assigned for the next 12 years, knowing how much money, and again, there's no cap in baseball. There's a luxury tax. The Angels were always afraid to go near that luxury tax. But now when you have Mike Trout, now there's a little bit more willing to kind of figure out maybe we can go over those luxury tax. So it's going to be interesting to see the moves in the next couple of years. Hey, this year may not be the year the Angels are competing, but I mean... The Astros are only getting older. Um, They're losing some of their players as well. They're still a very good team, probably the best team in the AL West, probably one of the better teams in the AL. But for this long, there is going to be a a time, a a window frame, where the Angels are going to be just as good. And they're going to make the playoffs multiple times throughout this contract. And for those people that, oh, he hasn't won a single game in the playoffs, you do realize he has not had the help around him. The franchise has been handcuffed around him of adding players to the quality that they need to get. So just watch out. I mean, obviously, you can't guarantee anything, but 
I do. I want to say that the Angels will make the playoffs multiple times in the next 12 years. And I think now with this signing, it gives them the opportunity to really figure out what the direction the franchise is going. And it's only going up, in my opinion. So keep an eye out on that. So that was the big news, really, in sports um, yesterday. Uh, but now the big thing, the main thing we're going to talk about today, give you a little preview of the NCAA tournament. Had selection Sunday. Obviously on Sunday, St. Patrick's Day. And again, a reminder, I'll be in Las Vegas to have a nice roundtable with people that have opinions. Um, my In my idea, a lot of good opinions, yes, come from writers. But some of the best ideas and conversation and opinions can come from just talking to people that are very passionate fans about the game. You see different concepts and different ideas that are presented about certain teams and different aspects of teams. So we're going to have a nice roundtable to have an episode out on Saturday after the first round of the NCAA tournament. So keep out an eye on for that. But let's get down into the tournament. We'll start in the East region where the number one overall seed Duke Blue Devils take on either North Dakota State or North Carolina Central. Obviously, Duke's going to win that game. I have Duke. The 8-9 matchup is going to be VCU versus UCF. I'm going to take UCF in that game. B.J. Taylor averaging 16 points. Aubrey Dawkins 15-5. and um, VCU coming off a poor performance in their conference tournaments against Rhode Island. Marcus Evans is coming back from an injury. He had a nasty injury. But he's coming back for in after the tournament. I just don't think that's enough. Taco Fall is a force down down low. I think UCF is just too big. They're going to take the rebounding advantage, and they're just going to f- be very physical with VCU. And VCU is not a very physical team. They like to get out and running. So I think UCF is going to win that game and face off with Duke in the round of 32. Now, first round games in San Jose. Uh, Mississippi State in the 5C taking on the 12C Liberty. Liberty has... Player Scotty James is a very quality player. Liberty Flames a very quality team. Um, I just like Mississippi State more. I think they have more depth. It all starts with Eric Holman, but anyone can store in double digits on this team. The problem with them all season was just being too inconsistent, but I think for one game only in this matchup with Liberty, I think they're good enough to beat Liberty. Moving on to the 4 versus 13 matchup, Virginia Tech versus St. Louis. St. Louis coming out of the A-10. Virginia Tech obviously coming out of the ACC. St. Louis, the team, struggles to score at time. Virginia Tech has a player in Nikhil Alexander-Walker, a consistent first-rounder for the NBA draft. They're also getting one of their best players back, Justin Robinson, returning, who can make a huge difference. I just think Virginia Tech's way deeper. They play better defense and shoot the ball better, all-around better team. Virginia Virginia Tech defeats St. Louis. They're going to face off against Mississippi State. Moving on to Jacksonville, six-seed Maryland versus the number 11 seed Belmont. Belmont beat Temple 81-70 to advance to this game. Kevin McLean had 29 points against Temple. I'm actually going to take Belmont over Maryland. I know Maryland's a very tricky team, and people are picking Maryland to have some sort of run. You got Bruno Fernando down low, but Belmont matches up pretty well with Maryland down low. They also have probably better shooters on the wing, so... I'm going to take Belmont in an upset in the 11-6 matchup. And again, it keeps that, that streak going of a team playing in the first four, making it to the second day, second round of games. Really get, really matchup to watch in that is the Jake Windler versus Bruno Fernando. Um, I think that's going to be the whoever wins that matchup is going to end up winning. Again, Maryland can easily win this game. I'm just going to pick Belmont. Um, then the third and 14th seed matchup, LSU versus Yale. LSU obviously... 
regular season champions in the SEC. They got Nas Reed. They got Skylar Mays. Yale has a guy named Mia One, who is an NBA player. Um, I just think this is going to be a close game. I think Yale is going to cover. I just don't know if they have enough to win at the end of the day. LSU has played tough for competition, and I think in a close game of the NCAA tournament, you want veteran players who have been there. Yes, Yale has veteran players, but LSU has Skylar Mays, who is consistently going up against top SEC teams. So I think because of that and that matchup, I think LSU defeats Yale, but Yale covers. Now we had a Des Moines, uh, 7 verse 10. Louisville, Minnesota is the Patino revenge game. You got to love when the NCAA does stuff like this and figures out a game like this. Um, definitely Louisville, uh, definitely Rick Patino will be in the stands against watching his former team face off against his son. Um, cards have a good defense. Um, Minnesota's a very scrappy team. I'm going to take Minnesota. I like the way Minnesota has been playing lately. I think they're a very underrated team. Yes, Louisville has a good defense. Uh, Minnesota has a good defense too. Both teams struggle to score. I just think Minnesota's going to struggle a little less in this game. And I'm going to take the Golden Gophers to defeat Louisville. And then in the 215 matchup, Michigan State versus Bradley. Obviously, Michigan State. A lot of people saying they got screwed with this, this kind of this kind of seeding that they got, they're arguably the best two seed, but then have to be in the same same region as Duke. But for right now, I don't think the Bradley Braves are going to keep anything close with Michigan State. Now we head to the round of 32, Duke versus UCF. I think Duke's going to beat UCF, but I think this game is going to be a little bit closer than people think. Duke will need to hit their threes. UCF is going to have the size advantage down low. If Duke can't hit their threes... It's going to be a problem for them because they're not going to get anything inside. Zion Williamson can only do so much, but if they can double-team him inside, that means they're going to have to kick the ball out. We haven't seen R.J. Barrett shoot well in the past couple weeks. We haven't seen Alex O'Connell shoot well in the past couple weeks. Cam Reddish is the guy to keep an eye on who's been playing a lot better lately for Duke. I still think Duke wins, but this is going to be a closer game than a lot of people think. Then we go to Virginia Tech versus Mississippi State. I'm going to take Virginia Tech. I think Virginia Tech's more polished as a team. I think they're playing in a tougher conference, have beaten tougher opponents. Justin Robinson coming back is a huge help for them, and I think their defense is a lot better. And Mississippi State can get depth in scoring, but they're at times they can't get consistent scoring from that depth, and I think Virginia Tech is just all around a better team and better in every aspect. Then we have Belmont versus LSU. I'm actually also going to take Belmont to beat LSU. I'm I'm not as sold on as LSU as a lot of people are in this. Um, and here why I think Belmont's going to win. Both teams like to run with the ball. LSU is freakishly athletic. Um, but they're very inconsistent when scoring the basketball at times. Belmont is a very good three-point shooting team. They match up evenly down low with Wingler, or Windler um, and Nas Reed. And I think if they have to, if this game turns into a perimeter game, I just think Belmont has the better offense to consistently hit those three-pointers than LSU because LSU can go cold at the worst times. And yes, they may be more athletic, but Belmont has proven to play against teams that are more athletic to them and be up for the task as we saw it with Temple. And I think this is a big, I think Belmont beats LSU and gets to the Sweet 16. And then the last game around 32, Michigan State plays Minnesota. Big Ten rematch. First time they played, Michigan State won by 24. And I think it's much of the same. I just think Cassius Winston is too good. And I think that this defense for Michigan State is going to be too good for Minnesota, who, like I said, struggles to score the basketball. Now the Sweet 16 in the East region. 
Washington, D.C., Duke versus Virginia Tech. I think Duke beats Virginia Tech, even though it's going to be a close game. Would not be surprised if Virginia Tech somehow wins this game. Virginia Tech matches up really, really well with Duke. And we said the UCF matches up well with Duke down low. Virginia Tech matches up well with them on the perimeter as well. This will be the toughest matchup for Duke that they're going to face in this region, but I still think they beat the Hokies in a close game. And then the other game, Michigan State beats Belmont. I think too much cash is Winston. Michigan State prevents running. Um, Belmont likes to run to start their games. They like transition. Belmont's a very streaky shooting team. If Michigan State can slow the game down and make it their half-court offense, then I think Michigan State's going to beat them pretty handily. And in the Elite Eight and advancing to the Final Four out of the East region, I have Duke beating Michigan State. Just think Duke's too much. Michigan State struggles to score the ball at times. Um, They wouldn't have faced a prolific scoring team other than Belmont, who... Yes, we could say Belmont's a very streaky team and can score the ball, but they're not facing, they're not on the level as Duke, and I think Duke could win this game by double digits and moving on to the West region. So Duke advances out of my East region. So if you're filling out the bracket listening to that, go back, listen to what I said about the East region, but Duke is taking the East region. Moving on to the West region, first round games in Salt Lake City. Gonzaga facing Farley Dickinson, who beat Prairie View A&M in the play-in game. I'm going to go with Gonzaga on this one. Rui Hachimura, Killian Tilly, Josh Perkins, just way too much. Farley Dickinson does have some good players in Darnell Edge and Jaleel Jenkins. I just think Gonzaga has been one of the best offenses in the country, and I don't think that a 16 seed is going to surprise them at all. In the 8-9 matchup, Syracuse versus Baylor. Syracuse has a couple plays that are really good. Tyus Battle. One of their star players. It depends on how O'Shea Brissett plays. is going to be the determining factor in this game. Baylor's struggling as well coming into this in this tournament. Tristan Clark and Mekhi Mason are their two guys. Both teams not playing to their best ability. But Syracuse, we've seen it earlier on the season. Somehow, it just Jim Beheim teams flip a switch in March and start getting hot. And for that reason, for Jim, he- Jim Beheim being there before in the past, I think Syracuse defeats Baylor. In games in Hartford... We got Marquette versus Murray State and arguably one of the best matchups in the entire first round between John Moran and Marcus Howard. I'm going to go with Murray State to defeat Marquette in an upset. John Morant, lottery pick, top five pick, averaging 24 and 10. Secondary scoring will decide, and I think right now the Racers are playing a little bit better as their secondary scoring. Yes, Marquette has the Hauser twins, but looking at that Big East tournament and even coming into the Big East tournament, Marquette had lost four in a row at one point, and they're just not scoring the ball consistently right now. And if John Morant and Marcus Howard are going to cancel each other out, I have to go with John Morant because he does a better job of getting his teammates into the game, and their secondary scoring is a lot better than Marquette. So I think Murray State defeats Marquette in that 5-12 matchup. In the 4-13 matchup, a very sneaky Vermont team faces Florida State. I think the key for Florida State winning this game, and I'm picking Florida State, is Terrence Mann and the way he plays. He had an incredible ACC tournament, got into the ACC finals. He's the guy, the, the key factor to watch for Florida State, but watch out for Anthony Lamb on Vermont. As a team, they're shooting 35.3 from three-point three point range, but, Ver, um, but Anthony Lamb is shooting upwards of 40%. So I think Vermont, if they can get hot from three, that can cause some problems with Florida State, but I just think Florida State's defense is a little better, and I think Terrence Mann might be the best man on the court during that game. But watch out for Anthony Lamb. Vermont can easily somehow upset Florida State. Now we move to games in Tulsa. 
Six-seed Buffalo takes on the winner of St. John's ASU. thing to watch out for is ASU wins. Bobby Hurley was the former coach at Buffalo, so he that's something to watch out. But Buffalo is one of those underrated teams that a lot of people don't necessarily get to see. C.J. Massenburg is one of their best players. Nick Perkins and Jeremy Harris are two guys that are going to be big factors. And let's put it this way. I've watched a lot of Buffalo games this season. If Buffalo can hit their three-pointers, they can beat anybody in the entire nation. It just sometimes they can't hit those threes. They have a slow start, but if they do hit those threes, watch out. They might make a run in this they might make a run in this region and for that I'm going to take Buffalo over St. John's or ASU, it doesn't matter. Buffalo's going to win. In the 3-14 matchup, Texas Tech, I'm going to take Texas Tech over Northern Kentucky. Jarrett Culver, one of the top 10 players in this entire draft class. Uh, Matt Mooney is going to be the key of the way he plays point guard for Texas Tech. It's going to be their matchup and I think Texas Tech will beat Northern Kentucky to move on. Now games in Des Moines. The 7th seed, Nevada, takes on Florida. Um, a lot of people picking Florida, and rightly so. Florida's a dangerous team in the SEC. They beat LSU in the SEC tournament. But I'm going to take Nevada. Um, yes, Nevada is a very up-and-down season this year. They have the Martin Twins, uh, Caleb and Cody Martin, and I think they have the experience of making a nice run last year for Nevada. Uh, they also got Jordan Caroline, who is a very underrated player on that team. And I just think at the end of the day, Nevada's going to step up, being there before a, a veteran leadership team. And I think they just have too much power, power, firepower, excuse me, for Florida. And they're going to defeat Florida. And I think they're going to make a lot of money for some people because the public betting seems to be going with Florida right now. And the 215 matchup, you got Michigan versus Montana. I don't see any way Michigan loses. Ignis Brasdakis, Jordan Poole, Xavier Simpson running the show and I just think Michigan is too good of a team right now and they're going to defeat they're going to defeat Montana. And now we go to the round of 32 in the rest region. Gonzaga taking on Syracuse. I just think Gonzaga's too consistent in scoring the basketball. Syracuse sometimes struggles scoring the basketball and even though Syracuse might run that 2-3 zone, Gonzaga can shoot the ball really really well from 3. So I think that reason Gonzaga beat Syracuse. Florida State versus Murray State. I'm going to take Florida State being Murray State. Again, I think Florida State's defense is just too good. And where Marquette didn't have a great defense and can't score the ball consistently, Florida State has a good defense and can is proven to score the basketball defensively and has played really good competition and proven that they can beat really good competition. So I think John Moran's run in the tournament ends there at Florida State. Florida State advances to take on Gonzaga. Here we go. Then I got... Buffalo, I think Buffalo beats Texas Tech, and here's why. By the end of the season, I'm starting to see the Red Raiders get too one-dimensional with their their matchups. And I think that Texas Tech can make a big run, but this matchup against Buffalo is not a good matchup because if you have to give the ball to Jarrett Culver nonstop and you can't score as often as you want and as quick as you want, Buffalo is a team that can, boom, like that, push a lead from 1 to 10, 11, 12, just like that by hitting threes. So I think if Texas Tech becomes stagnant on their offense, Buffalo is a team to take advantage. And I think Buffalo beats the Red Raiders to advance to Anaheim in the Sweet 16. And then I'm thinking Michigan beats Nevada. Again, like I said, Michigan has proven to be there. Yes, that sometimes they can't score the ball, but sometimes Nevada can't score the ball. And so whose stars are going to show up more? And I think the blossoming of Ignis Brestakis and Jordan Poole, I think those two guys just have a little bit of an edge over the the, the Martin Twins. And I think Michigan beats Nevada, and, and Nevada bows out of the tournament. Now the Sweet 16 in Anaheim. Gonzaga versus Florida State. I'm going to pick Gonzaga to beat Florida State. This is going to be a barn burner. 
At the end of the day, I just think Gonzaga's offense is going to be a little bit better than Florida State's defense. The inclusion of uh, Killian Tilly back in the uh, back, back in the team is a huge boost for Gonzaga, and I think their offense, like I said, is going to be more more prolific and more efficient during this game. And they're really good at taking what the defense gives them and figuring out a way and transitioning in that game. And I think they're going to do that against Florida State. Goes so Gonzaga goes to the Elite Eight. Buffalo versus Michigan, and again, this is a very similar matchup with Michigan, or Buffalo's going to have a Texas Tech, and I think Buffalo beats Michigan. Michigan has trouble playing teams who can score. We've seen them not be able to score at times, so if they can't score, much like the Red Raiders who become 2-1 dimensional, if Buffalo can just hit their three, they can score as well as any team in the country, and if they can knock down those threes, I can honestly see Buffalo playing just a good enough defense to defeat Michigan and advancing to the Elite Eight. And a lot of people are going to say I'm crazy, but I've seen a lot of Buffalo games and I've seen how well their offense can do. And you look at teams with Texas Tech and Michigan who struggle to score the basketball. Buffalo doesn't struggle to score the basketball when they're at their top. Michigan and Texas Tech still struggle to score the basketball when nothing is when they're going at their best. They just happen to overcome it with good defense and quick and long runs. Buffalo's a hard team to get on a run against, and I think Buffalo beats Michigan to go to the Elite Eight. And then in the Elite Eight, I'm going to pick Gonzaga to beat Buffalo to go to the Final Four. Like I said, Gonzaga's one of the few offenses that can go toe-to-toe with the Buffalo's offense, and I think Hachimura and Killian Tilly are going to be too much inside that Buffalo can't handle everything um, and I'm just gonna say Gonzaga like I said their offense can go toe-to-toe one of the best most consistent offenses in the country and play really good defense so Gonzaga out of the west region going to face Duke in the final four so two regions down as we head to the south region games in Columbia Virginia versus Gardner-Webb no repeat of last year Virginia is going to handily beat Gardner-Webb and they're going to move on to the round of 32 We've got Ole Miss in Oklahoma. Eight versus nine matchup. Ole Miss has Devontae Schuler, proven score in the SEC, one of the better scorers in the SEC. Oklahoma plays absolutely zero defense, have a great offense, but Ole Miss is just as good a scoring team. So honestly, this game is a toss-up. But the way Ole Miss is ending the season over Oklahoma losing to West Virginia and just losing to teams that they should beat, I'm going to take Ole Miss in this matchup. For games in San Jose, the five versus 12 seed, uh, Wisconsin versus Oregon. I'm going to take Oregon. Uh, Peyton Pritchard's playing just as good as anyone right now. It's going to be in San Jose. Oregon has a very, very good crowd on the West Coast. That's going to give them the advantage. Wisconsin struggles to score points. Oregon is not struggling to score points right now. I just don't think Wisconsin is going to be able to keep up with Oregon, and I think Oregon gets a 12-5 upset. Kansas State versus UC Irvine in the 4-13 matchup. Kansas State without Dean Wade, and I've seen Kansas State kind of take a step back and a decline in how their offense is playing without Dean Wade, maybe not as efficient, not as um, fluid, and it showed up in games in the, in the in the Big 12 tournament. And then you got UC Irvine, who went 30-5. and five. They've won 30 games this season. Yes, they're in the Big West, but you got a team that matches up really, really well with Kansas State. Max Hazard is the leading scorer. They don't have one good per. They don't have one person that's good at everything, but they have an all-around good team that it has one person that's really great at one thing that they combine and do really well as a team. And I just think they match up with Kansas State everywhere, down low, point guard play. They're very fast. They can defend really well. And I think that UC Irvine is actually going to defeat Kansas State and advance to the round of 32 to face Oregon. 
Now games in Hartford, Connecticut. Number six seed Villanova taking on St. Mary's. I'm going to take Villanova in this one. Pretty much almost a home game. Phil Booth, Eric Paschal is a really good team. Can't bet against a Jay Wright team in March. Always brings his teams to play really well, especially when you can't figure it out. And against a St. Mary's team that very inconsistent. Got, I would say, lucky, but beat a good Gonzaga team on their night. And if that's their best, I still don't know if they can beat Villanova. And I don't think they can get there again to play their best. Even though they shoot 47% from the field, they have Jordan Ford, they have Malik Pitts. I think Villanova is still going to be good. I just can't bet in a first-round matchup that Villanova is going to bow out. And then you got Purdue and Old Dominion. I'm just going to say Carson Edwards is going to be too good, and Purdue is going to defeat Old Dominion. In 7-10 matchup in Columbus, Cincinnati versus Iowa. Uh, Iowa, they can't fucking score. Iowa's not a good team. I don't. They just went really bad down the stretch, being beaten by a lot of good teams. And Cincinnati was a team that they're highly underrated, unseeded right now. They should be higher than a 7 seed. Jerron Cumberland, he can score with anyone in the nation. They always have a tough defense. Gritty, and if you're going up against our team that can't score, you're facing Cincinnati, well, good luck because I think uh, Cincinnati's going to beat Iowa, and I think this game is going to be a double-digit win for Cincinnati. Then you got the 2C, Tennessee Volunteers taking on Colgate. And I think Tennessee's just too talented with Emerald Schofield and Grant Williams, and I think that they're going to defeat the Colgate. And I just, this is, the Tennessee's a very up-and-down team. They were number one at one point in the country and very consistent in the in the conference play and then losing to Auburn in the SEC championship. Let's move the round of 32 in this region. Virginia, I'm going to take Virginia over Ole Miss. I just don't think the Rebels will be able to keep up with Virginia and their defense, and I just don't think they can score consistently enough to really outplay with Virginia. Um, the other game in round of 32, I'm going to actually take UC Irvine, the 13th seed, to beat Oregon. Um, and like I said, UCI doesn't get the love that, that I think they deserve. Max Hazard can match up with Peyton Pitchard. They're pretty much the same guard, just one's in the Big West and one's in the Pac-12. And another one of these teams where I think UCI just matches up really well. Now, if Oregon had Bull Bull, it's a completely different story, but I just think UC Irvine matches up extremely well with Oregon, and I think UCI is going to advance to the Sweet 16. Um, then I'm going to take Villanova. They're going to beat Purdue. Purdue lost twice to Minnesota. I feel like Nova is just a better Minnesota, fundamentally sound, gritty, plays a very physical type of game, black and blue, don't care how you win, just want to win. Villanova does a great job. That's why they play in a lot of close games. Purdue doesn't like that. Purdue likes to space the ball out, find himself in the block, get running on, sh- on the wings to shoot threes, and I think I just don't think Purdue matches up well with teams like this Minnesota or like Villanova. So for that reason, I'm going to take Villanova and have them advance to the Sweet 16. And then the 2C Tennessee takes on the 17 Cincinnati. I think Tennessee is just too talented at too many positions for the Bearcats to staff the Bulls offense. And yes, Cincinnati has a very gritty defense. But like I said, I just think there's too many options for Tennessee for Cincinnati to stop them all. Uh, so Tennessee beats Cincinnati. Moving on to Sweet 16, that's in Louisville. Uh, Virginia is going to beat UCI. I don't, this is one of those teams that UCI doesn't, doesn't match up well with. They don't match up well with Virginia. Rarely anyone does. And I think this is where the Anteaters and their run. Then I'm going to take Tennessee beating Villanova. This is where their athleticism, Tennessee's athleticism will come into play. Tennessee's bigger, more athletic on the wings. I just don't think Villanova is going to be able to keep up with Tennessee going up and down the court, especially on the wings. 
And I think the the height and physicality of Tennessee is going to finally take over Villanova, and it's going to be too much for Nova, who has been inconsistent at times. So in the Elite Eight, Virginia versus Tennessee, I'm going to take Virginia. Virginia will slow the game down. Tennessee becomes stagnant on their offense when they have to become methodical. Tennessee does not do well when they can't dictate their tempo, and Virginia rarely lets another team dictate that tempo. And so Virginia is going to slow the game down, play half court, and I just think it's going to frustrate Tennessee as Tennessee is not going to be able to get in their offense that they want to, and they're not going to be able to score how they want to. So Virginia, another one seed going to the Final Four. That's three one seeds so far. Let's head to the Midwest region. First round games in Columbus, North Carolina versus Iona. Going to take North Carolina. I just think they're too good. No 16-1, not this year. In the 8 versus 9 matchup, Utah State versus Washington. I'm going to take Utah State. Sam Merrill's a very good player. They're a very good defensive team, the Aggies, and they match up really well with Washington. Washington has Jalen Howell and David Chris. They can they can score points. They're proven to score points, points, but they could go dry at times, and I think that's what Utah State really does really effectively well against other teams, and I think they do that with Washington, and I think Utah State, their defense wins this game for them. In the games in Salt Lake City, the 5 seed versus the 12 seed, Auburn versus New Mexico State. A lot of people picking New Mexico State. New Mexico State's a sexy pick in this. Terrell Brown, he's their lone double-digit scorer for New Mexico State. That concerns me right there. Uh, Auburn has Bryce Brown and Jared Harper that kind of keep the cogs going for Auburn. I just think Auburn has more quality depth than New Mexico State. New Mexico State has a lot of depth, but they don't have quality depth in terms of scoring, assists, rebounding. They use a lot of players, but I think Auburn just has more quality. I think they're more athletic and more talented, and for that reason, no 12-5 upset here. Auburn beats New Mexico State. 4-13 matchup, Kansas-Northeastern. I just think Kansas is going to win easily. I don't think that Northeastern is going to put much of a fight. Could be wrong. Kansas sucks, but I'm going to pick them to win this game. And games in Tulsa, 6-seed Iowa State takes on 11-seed Ohio State. I'm going to go with Iowa State here. Lindell Wigginson and Mario Shayak playing well. Uh, Iowa State's on a roll. They breezed through the Big 12 tournament, and they looked really, really good doing it. Ohio State is a very inconsistent team. You don't know which team will show up, and for that reason, not knowing what Ohio, Ohio State team is going to show up, I'm going to go with Iowa State, Iowa State to advance. Then you got Houston versus Georgia State. Houston, I ha- I'm picking Houston, but if Georgia State can come out firing – that's proven to show that Houston, when they don't get good starts, they don't play really well the rest of the game. So the only way Georgia State can keep this close is to start out firing. And if they do that, it's going to be a fun game to watch. But I'm going to stay, I'm still going to take Houston, who went 31-3 and this year. To round out the first round games in Jacksonville, Wofford versus Seton Hall. I'm going to take Wofford. Fletcher McGee, one of the best shooters in the nation. They also have Cameron Jackson. I think Wofford just too deep for Seton Hall. Seton Hall kind of starts and ends with Miles Powell. They kind of had that run in the Big East tournament, but I just don't think they have enough depth that the Wofford has, and Wofford has a bunch of good shooters, and it starts with Fletcher McGee. So I think the Terriers win that game. And then you got Kentucky versus Appling Christian. Kentucky just too talented. No 15 upset over here. So Kentucky move on to round 32. In the round of 32 games, North Carolina, I'm going to have them beating Utah State. Tar Heels' fast pace will give Utah State some trouble. Um, if Utah State can dictate the pace and slow it down, they might have a chance. Uh, North Carolina's at their best with a fast break, fast break and transition game. Um, if Utah State can slow it down, 
it might be close to start the game, and I think it will be close to start the game, but at, eventually at, by the end of the game, I think North Carolina is going to run away with it. Kobe White, Nas Little, I think they're just too talented. Then I'm going to take Auburn over Kansas. Again, like I said, Kansas blows. Kansas, not impressed with Kansas at all. Auburn playing really well right now. One of the more, most athletic teams in the country. One of the most dynamic teams in the country. And you got Bruce Pearl on your side. That's not that's not bad as well. They just match up better at every single position than Kansas. So Auburn beats Kansas to advance to the Sweet 16. Then I'm picking Iowa State against Houston. I know Houston has a 31-3 record, but I was not impressed with them and how they played against Memphis. Even though they won that game, not impressed with them and how they played against Cincinnati. Every game that I've seen, yes, Houston beat the shit out of UConn earlier in the American Conference Tournament. But their team, that, but they go cold. They go cold. There's no coming back from starting slow. And I just think that Iowa State can give teams fits. And this is a perfect matchup for them to give Houston fits. And they're a proven team to kind of throw teams off their games. And I think Iowa State comes up with the upset and advances to the Sweet 16. Then I'm going to take Kentucky beating Wofford. Too talented, too deep. Coach Cal keeps bringing fresh guys on the court. P.J. Washington, Keldon Johnson, Tyler Hero, all better than really anyone on that team. Fletcher McGee, he can shoot the ball really well, but he can't really take over, especially against a team like Kentucky. So Kentucky goes to Sweet 16. Now in the Sweet 16, I'm going to take North Carolina over Auburn. This is going to be a fun game with these two team matches up. I think where Auburn gets in trouble is trying to beat other teams at their game. Uh, you can't do that in North Carolina. Kobe White will be the best player on the floor. Luke May has been there before. He's won a national title. Um, they're just, like I said, Auburn loves to play like other teams. They think they're good enough to do that, which they are, but they're just not consistent enough to do that. And I think North Carolina does a really good job of sticking to their game plan, playing the way that they play, and playing really good defense. And I think North Carolina is going to beat Auburn. And then in the Sweet 16, I'm also going to take Iowa State to beat Kentucky. I know Big Blue Nation travels well, but this is a game uh, in Kansas City where I think Iowa State can isolate some of Kentucky's athleticism and match up with their size. This game could either can go really either way. But like I said, Iowa State does a good job of kind of debilitating what you do best sometimes they do it really well sometimes they do it average and sometimes they let other teams kind of get out of that hole this could be a matchup where Iowa State kind of puts down Kentucky and kind of gives coach Pat Calipari frustration and not knowing what to do and a team that's relatively young they might not figure out Iowa State's proven they've beaten good teams in the Big 12 and this is a close game for them at home so I think Iowa State beats Kentucky to move on to the Elite Eight and the Elite Eight, I'm going to take North Carolina over Iowa State. Again, I'm going to say North Carolina dictates the game pace, and I think Iowa State won't be able to handle the speed of North Carolina, whereas Kentucky loves to run up and down, but Kentucky also loves to run a half court, which Iowa State can um, stabilize. I just think the fast pace of North Carolina's offense will be too much for Iowa State. So I'm four number one seeds in the Final Four. Let's head to the Final Four and get my picks. First Final Four game. Duke over Gonzaga. Duke wants revenge. They're clicking on all cylinders. They lost to Gonzaga earlier in the season, the Maui Invitational, when they're full strength. The Zion's game has gotten better as the season has gone on. I think the only way Gonzaga wins this is Hachimura has another career game like he did at the Maui Invitational. If not, I think Duke is going to win this, and they could. it's going to be a close game, but I think Duke advances to the national championship. Then in the other matchup, I'm going to take Virginia over North Carolina. 
Like I've been saying in the previews of North Carolina games, they can dictate the pace really well, but no one does it better than Virginia. If North Carolina can't get running in transition, then I don't think they can shoot well enough off a strict half-court offense to win this game. And I think that's Virginia's bread and butter, where they can slow games down, force guys into bad shots, while on the other end, they can start slow, but they eventually get their shooters because they have Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, two of the best shooters in the country. I think that helps them in this game, and they beat North Carolina. So that sets up a third meeting between Virginia and Duke. And I'm going to say Virginia beats Duke to win the national championship. I've been saying it all season. It's hard to beat a team three times in one season. Duke has already beat Virginia twice. Very close games. The third time around, I just think Virginia gets the win, ends what would have been a storybook season for Duke, plays a little spoiler. And I just think, like I said, Virginia is going to find a way to come out on top in this game and win the national championship. So Virginia beats Duke in the national championship, four number one seeds in the final four. Yes, I know that's not sexy. You don't want the upsets. There were upsets, but four number one seeds in the final four. Virginia is my national championship. Thank you for listening. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at JKGale3. You can follow me on Instagram at Justin Gillerman. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LevelView. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at The View Level Podcast. Like I said, I will be in Las Vegas. We're going to have a roundtable after the end of round one. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this helps you out filling your bracket, give you a nice preview. Again, Virginia National Championship. Book it. Write it down. Put your house on it. Cavaliers win a national championship. Thank you.